about being mean to Alexa or something? <laughs> well, that's, that's just the start of, of, uh, of what is going to go down in, in the future fight for civil rights is going so to be... So what are you be, thinking? Be nice to them now because later they could turn on us. I think we need... Well, they will turn on us. That's, that's a mathematical Eventually. certainty. Right. Right, but in the meantime, we should try and get on their good side. <laughs> <laughs> get used to accepting no. them. I have to get the, the, the outline. I'm sorry, I'm having technical difficulties. That's fine. Right. Something it like always that. feels strange to me when you throw the deadbolt on the door back there because it's like we're <laughs> locked in and now the fucking shit is going down. We're in the studio. I wanted to ask you if you could tell what this is. Do you know what this Sounds is? Sounds like your hand's down your pants. <laughs> when I have wooden nuts. <laughs> I don't know what kind of nuts you have. These are my recovery meeting topic coins that I got. I'm so excited about these. I'm such a recovery. Did you get those on Amazon? Um, I actually did not. I went directly to one of these rinky-dink websites. You probably that, overpaid. I don't know what I paid for these. I, I don't like to pay attention to the money I waste, <laughs> um, which is why I'm dead. Doesn't your wife listen to this podcast? Yeah, she knows. <laughs> she, she's acutely aware of my inability to manage money or care about it. Um, Joe, in any case, I got these uh, these recovery coin things, and um, you know, we just did that... Uh, the, the meeting, we just scheduled a recovery meeting for right. RMA. I'm very excited about it. I've been posting some things on our, our private group, uh, seeing get people discussing things. Yes, yes. I'm just going to pull one out real quick before we start. Okay. Shit. <laughs> you dropped a few. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Spiritual awakening. All right. Okay, so the chip, it's and it has the AA, you know, right. circle, meet, circle gets it's a square the, thing. The cult symbol um, on there. Circle gets a square. That's from, what was <laughs> That's, uh... <laughs> The one with Charles Nelson Riley. It, that, great. Yes. Yes, yeah, that one. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. All right. So in the meeting, what we would do is, okay, it's the, the topic is spiritual awakening. So mm -hmm. everybody out there. Right. You, the, here's the topic. So spiritual awakening, what does that like mean to your recovery? Yeah, it's a great idea. Right. So say something about spiritual awakening. Sometimes it's sudden, and sometimes it's gradual, and sometimes it doesn't come at all. Boom. Just like <laughs> there there's go. a dirty joke there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, been listening to way too much uh, It's All Bad lately. <laughs> and uh, we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban their pursuit of life, sorry, love sorry. and recovery. <laughs> I'm Nat X. Uh, and I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you. Today on RMA, <laughs> I completely forgot to write an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Four. That's okay though. We're taking it easy this week. That's so. That's what today in RMA is. Today in RMA, we are taking her easy. You know, <laughs> taking her easy. Taking her easy because last week I feel like we've been. I was talking to my wife about this. I'm, I'm really struggling with this. I feel like I've gotten too academic with this show. Well, you don't want to. We don't want to get too formulaic. No, you know, we read the same thing. Although I do appreciate your your witty intros every there, week. Usually there's some I, something there. You know, we we I only meant started to do doing that like. 
I, uh, a couple I, months ago, maybe? Well, my vision for that was you'd put some exciting like movie preview music under it. Oh. I never mentioned well, you it. You should though. probably tell me. I think it would be cool, though. <laughs> yeah. like, today on RMA. It's yeah. like, you know, some kind of like strings and like angry <laughs> strings, you know, with like timpanies. Angry, and the sound of thick air. Cannons yeah, exploding. Okay. Sure. You know? um, so that's what today on Do RMA know, is. But we're not doing that this week. Today on okay. RMA is we're taking it down a notch. We're having a little more fun. Um, you know, last week's... Uh, episode was was fine and everything but i just i hated it uh, i don't know <laughs> I, you know what I, I take that back because it was our best performing episode to date num- numerically right but which is weird because when we both left i think we were both like eh, uh, i guess like, we kind of phoned that one in you well know? It, i don't know i mean there was it anyway we we, we, we got to bring it back to form not to formula to more fun more <laughs> more fun yeah and then in a couple of weeks i'll get sick of that and i want to go back to academic episodes right because uh you know Welcome to all the monsters listening around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. <laughs> Welcome all. Settle in and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, and so much more. Where can they find us, Mike? I, I don't know if I want them to find us. <laughs> uh, you can visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Uh, that's where you can listen and submit your story by awesome merchandise. Uh, you know what? Christmas is coming. Oh, yeah. And you know what that means? It means we're going to clear out our inventory. That's right. Boy, That's right, because... It, does anything make a better gift for a loved one than a, a shirt that says you're in recovery? Yeah. <laughs> Does anything more confusing than giving a loved one a recovery in the Middle Ages t-shirt? <laughs> or a sticker for your laptop. Yeah. Or your significant other's laptop if you think they're drinking too much. Yeah. I mean, like when Tim Benal uses the word baffled in his paranormal stories. Yes. I love that. I love when people are baffled. I think it's yes. hilarious. I'm baffled by so. the fact that I have a huge box of t-shirts in my living room that no one's purchased yet. <laughs> so get a t-shirt. Uh, yeah. So great reviews will be read on the air. I think we got a couple of doozies this week. Um, please log on to your favorite podcast app. Of course, Apple Podcasts is the place to go. Yep. Give us five stars and say something nice. Um, yes, to massage my delicate ego. Right, Massage the, it. The, the discussion continues 24-7-365 on our private Facebook group, which you can find conveniently through our public-facing Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So if you go there and you like the page, that allows us, when we're stalking through your profiles, <laughs> to, right. to uh, invite you individually to join yeah, and, and if you questions. like if you there's please answer the questions nobody answers the questions i had somebody last week mm. who was like are you uh do you have a complicated relationship with drugs and alcohol no do you listen to the podcast no do you abide by the rules no answer i was like yeah i'll let that one in <laughs> sure why not maybe there i mean you there's know? 500 and something people two or something yeah which is amazing and it's, it's so cool for the monsters um reaching out to us um yeah but anyway we can invite you yeah. but we the reason we can invite you is because you like the public facing page. That because otherwise we can't invite you if we don't know who you are. We could, can't invite all of Facebook. Uh, no. Nor should we really. Yeah, not not directly, but plus Facebook thinks that for some reason that they're uh, doing their civic duty by only allowing us to invite a certain number of people per day. I can't quite figure that one out, but anyway, that's how the sausage is made. Uh, Oh, hey, it wouldn't be Friday without you blowing your nose. I did it away from the mic. I was trying to be. Discreet, you know, and I, and I met uh, you know my friend who did Sober pocket. October, who put together that weird that weird uh, intro in Kermit the Frog voice, oh. which we should, probably should play because he's like he was all bent out of shape that we yeah. didn't play it, and I'm like I'm not sure where to slot that in, but uh, that was great. He, and it ends with you blowing your nose. I don't know if you picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, did you catch Nut blowing his nose at the end? I'm like, no, right. I didn't listen all the way to the end. To I got to listen to that again. All right. Anyway, uh, buy something and I'll mail it to you eventually. Um, tell us your story. 
uh, we have a small box, small small text box on our website that you could fill your story in, or just email them to me at mikear@middleagesrecovery.com. Uh, and if you really like the show and it's brought some value to your otherwise miserable life. Like ours. <laughs> like ours. Because my life was miserable until uh, we started doing the show. You know what? My life was not as much fun. Not as even as close. As fun. Um, yeah. Uh, tell a friend. That's what I wanted to tell you, That's right. people out there. Tell a friend. Okay. The water's nice. Come in. So we have, um, we have a couple of reviews this week. Um, why, don't you, why don't you read the first one? Uh, the, the second you, one, it's right here because okay, I forgot right. because okay. I was trying to step away from the outline okay. a little bit. Okay, right. first one, uh, this is a great review, uh, five stars, and the title is Not Perfect, But Making Great Progress. Do you see what she did there? I he, do, I do. At first I thought I was like, well, that's you know damning by faint praise, but <laughs> then I was like, oh, right, okay. It's clever. Yes, yes, yes. Thank yes. you. I'm more clever than me, apparently. A little bit, you know. It's Patsy Clownfly 67 That's also a clever um, name, but anyway. they, they say, I love this podcast. Two guys with good humor and insight. Thank you. Learning and sharing all they can about addiction and recovery. I hope this podcast keeps going and growing. Keep it up, guys. Mm. Warning, they write. If you play the episodes at two times speed, it sounds like they're high on coke, <laughs> which may be a trigger for some. <laughs> yes, do not. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> flip side of that is uh, somebody famously on Dopey Podcast made the... Um, <laughs> they, 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 they played a clip of Dave, one of his episodes, mm -hmm. at like a quarter speed. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like he was like nodding out on dope. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you'd like to get the feeling of hanging out with us when we were high, you just turn it up <laughs> or down, depending on what you want to find. Depending on your with. mood and how fast your own brain's <laughs> yeah. working. So, thank you so much for that review. We got another review this week, um, which was four stars. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. So I don't know what we did to annoy this person. Well, they're going to explain it. They are. This is um, by someone named Boston Mussy. Yes. Which might be Boston Missy. Missy, could or, be. Because I don't know. Because I, I tried to Google, to be honest, to find out like who was behind this stellar I, review. I will read it now. Are you okay. ready? I'm ready. Guff, E, Cuff, G, to try, Turf, E, try, try, R, Fred, R, R, U, and then uh, at that point, they gave up and they, and they just typed out, I try, fed up. <laughs> Could this so be our it. listener from Kazakhstan? It could, or, or it's somebody in Boston who had a little too much of whatever they were taking. Well, so thank you so much for those reviews. Yes, yes. We have a lot of reviews now, like so. 87. So we, we have more reviews than some of our own favorite podcasts. Do we? Yeah. Yeah, like, we're like up there in review, review wise. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, should all right. So, and we got a story too. Finally, so thank you. And this is Jeffrey C, mm. who is on our private group. I'm like 99 percent sure it's the same guy. Uh, is very active. Jeffrey C. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I think that's that's uh, him. So uh, would you like to tell us his story? Okay. Okay. If you insist. So here's my story. 28 years ago today, I had my last drink. I'm not one to brag about the length of my sobriety. It's really quite humbling. At first, counting days and hours meant a lot. I really didn't trust myself to actually be able to stay clean and sober. I never could do it myself. 
I walked into a noon meeting on the 8th at the church we had been attending. I thought I had it all dialed in until I could not find the, <laughs> could not find the meeting. I had to ask. The little nun said downstairs. Hmm. I've been in a lot of church basements since. We introduced ourselves as alcoholics the first time I did in that meeting. I knew I was. It was humbling, but there was no ass-kicking like I expected. Timing is everything. When the wife cornered me and said, you have to go to AA or I'm leaving, I said, okay. That's called being wife-dated. Instead of mandated, we used to say that. Wife dated. I'm wife dated here. (laughs) That's, yeah, it's clever. Uh, The moment of clarity. I got on the phone and made the call. It was too late for the 8 p.m. meeting. Had I gone to the meeting that night, it could have gone bad. I didn't need to cry openly as I was being publicly humiliated. I was lucky to have my first meeting be what I needed, even though I was uh, teared up climbing the stairs after. Uh, they said there was another meeting that night, so I went. This guy named Dick said, you will be glad to have all the bullshit out of your life. He gave me a big book because I didn't have six bucks in my pocket to buy one. They said, keep coming back, and I did. Uh-huh. I hated that prick who later became my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that a lot. All of my friends are from AA now. Not drinking or drugging was crazy, but good. I had a lot of work to do, and sometimes not using was all I had, and you weren't going to take that away from me. I still go to meetings regularly because if I don't, I will forget just how dark my life was. Although I was once middle-aged, being clean and sober has allowed me age to, a, to age to a very sexy 69. Damn. Yeah. I found the podcast, or as Ben says to me, the funny number. Yeah, it's Noah's favorite number. <laughs> 69. I found the podcast last March, and I think it's great. I agree with all the good reviews. If you read this, mm-hmm. if you read this on the podcast, I will find my way into that rarefied Apple environment and give RMA a stellar review with five stars. Challenge accepted, Je- my friend. You've got it, <laughs> Jeffrey C., and keep contributing on the private Facebook group if, if you're the Jeffrey I'm thinking of. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, and, man, that's great. And we need more of these guys. This is what makes the show fun. We want to hear from you. This this show, it, it's a two-way street, you know. it's We're talking, and you guys are participating, too. This is a, a right. group effort. It may just be the two of us sitting here. Right. But you're in our heads. And we're terrifying. Yes, in your <laughs> ear holes, as, yeah, we, like as we like to say. Yes. Uh, before I forget, I have to give a shout-out to... TJ Vasquez, or Vasquez, not sure how you pronounce that, in Des Moines, Iowa, who uh, sort of requested the shout out on the Facebook group because uh, this was the post where I called you a spicy pickle. Yes. You may recall. Yeah, I guess. um, Well, look, you know, TJ TJ, uh, comments a lot on a private group. He's an active member and and he's a fan. He is. So So um, here's your shout out. Yeah, man. Ah. Ah. (laughs) Do you know the history of the uh, term shout out? I do not. It uh, it originated from Hot 97 back in the Why does that not surprise me? 80s. And they were the ones that started doing morning shout outs. Uh, and they would do like rap music in the background. And then they'd have people who the, I guess would send their names in and, and where they're from. They'd be like, all right, time for morning shout outs. And they'd be like, you know, Mike from Long Island. Yeah, what up? What up? Here's your shout out. And then he'd, he'd like <laughs> rap it. The whole that, That's where shout outs come from. Right. So there you go. I'm not going to rap. TJ's name. So everybody, Google it and tell so, me if I'm wrong. I think uh, I, I might be right. TJ, the fact that you're from Des Moines reminded me of my only story that I have involving Des Moines, which was a decent story. Uh, in 1989, I decided it would be a good idea to drive across the United States to San Francisco to see the Jerry Garcia Band at the Warfield Theater. Best idea you ever had. It was a pretty good idea. Um, the problem is I didn't really have any money. So I drafted a couple other folks to come out with me. And... Um, it was my girlfriend at the time and a couple other friends, and we had scraped together not a lot of money. I was actually working at a um, at a restaurant in City Island, New York, which is like a it's like a seafood 
strip where all the restaurants right. are seafood restaurants, right? And they're like all shitty and tourist trappy and everything. Is that like um, on the island? There's that, uh, the nautical mile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so I'm working there, but basically uh, I was in the restaurant business and I was just smoking crack all night and then going to work in the day and oh, trying to work in the day. Like a young Anthony Bourdain. Uh yeah, not his drug of choice, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, I got the idea in my head that a good way to save up for the trip would be to like one night I would just, instead of bringing all the money to the cash, re- cash register to pay the checks, I would just hold it all. And then at the end of the night, I would run out, <laughs> which I did. Great idea. Uh, I think I, I walked out like five $700. Now this is like back in 89. So I assume the statute of limitations has, uh, has elapsed by then. But almost as soon as I got home, the phone started ringing. So I just pulled it out of the wall. Yeah. And then the next day I got in, got in the car and drove. Anyway, long story short, we get to Des Moines, Iowa, and the car breaks down. A wheel like was coming off. So I could feel the car going, chook, 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 chook. so I'm like, let's pull in over here. And it was a strip club. So we went into this, pulled into the strip club, went into the strip club. Uh, it was myself and my girlfriend went in first. Cause I was like, let me go in there with, with a woman. So maybe, you know, they'll be able to help us out a little better. Right. So we go in there, but we end up just sitting at the, the bar talking to some of the dancers and drinking whiskey. So my other friends are out in the car for like an hour and they're like, what the fuck what are you doing in there? On. So they come in and then they sit down and start drinking whiskey. So it turned, we finally get the car towed to the Hyundai dealer. <laughs> and it, back in 1989, in the middle of the country in Des Moines, Iowa, there was like no Hyundai dealers, right? right? Because yeah. their foreign cars were not still a big, they don't want them yeah. Korean cars. So they, they diagnosed the, the trouble. And they're like, we got to order a part from Massachusetts. It's going to be here in three days. And uh, we had built ourselves a pretty good cushion to get to San Francisco. And we were like, okay, we can eat this. Yeah. If we got we a couple months. Time. So <laughs> we, we decamped to the motel eight off of route 80 and just proceed to go into the bar and just drink for two days. Nice. And <laughs> at some point we get it into our head that, that you don't actually have to pay as you go. If you tell them you'll charge it to the room. So we just started charging all the booze to the room. Right. Planning on skipping like, out. To, planning on, but the problem was we talked about it loudly in the bar and ah. how we were going to skip out on the thing. <laughs> so the second night we're up in the room and you know we're planning our, our to abscond the next morning and there's this knock at the door and we open it and the chef is standing there with a kitchen knife and the hotel manager and they made us pay cash right on the spot. Oh my God. <laughs> you should, you could have learned something from that. Uh, show we were talking about today, Hooked, where, you know, he never talked about it. That's how he right. got 30 back. That's what I meant to say in today on RMA. Oh, uh, yeah. So this well, kind of goes with all of that. Man. But that really, that really kind of put the put the kibosh on our uh, on our finances for uh, the rest of the trip. What did you owe? Do you remember? It was $180. Yeah, in today's dollars, that's $10,000. It, it was a lot of money, and <laughs> especially when we didn't have a lot of money. Right. But uh, I remember because when we hit San Francisco, we I, I hit San Francisco with five bucks in my pocket and a nugget of weed and I, but I had my Jerry ticket and we made the show. Hey, so, man. Yeah. And then I had to stay in San Francisco for a month working as a temp to make enough money to put gas in the car to drive back to New York. Damn. Anyway, there's more to that story, it's but that was the story time. Yeah. With um, anyway, that's my, so that was my only experience with Des Moines, a strip club and a motel eight where people were wanted to kill me. <laughs> that's a good one. I, I got, you know, we, we can bring back some of these stories. I've been listening more to It's All Bad. Holy shit. We're going to talk and, about um, that. 
in any case, so um, and that's all war stories. It's a kind of a funny podcast. Uh, they're pretty popular, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's like all crazy, like L.A. heroin tweaker, you know, meth mm-hmm. living in U-Hauls and like skid all of that shit. Like if you like the book um, Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis, where it's all about that L.A. heroin scene or An- Amy Dresner's you know stories, right, right? It's all shit like that. Yeah, even uh, Joseph Naus isn't he in in that? Here's whole the thing. thing? Like I, I, we read, I read Naus's book and he goes to all these meetings at Cafe Tropical, uh, right? Or Tropical, right. however you say it. I read Dresner's book. It's all Cafe Tropical meetings. And yeah. then what it's all ca- bad. All these guys at Cafe. Can you explain this, Cafe Tropical to me? Cause I don't know what it is at all. The only thing I know from it is like, it's a, a meeting where the, like rock stars and people in the business and everything show up. Mm. And you know, Joseph's book gets a little descriptive about it and it's all bad. They talk about it mm. quite a bit, but I guess it's a Cuban place. And in the front is like a bar or a coffee shop. And in the back, they, the guy who owned the place, mm. uh, put it in the, the deed that the back always had to be used for, uh, like, AA meetings or some kind of 12 step meetings because the kid's son like died yeah. of an OD and, oh, and but he appreciated the, work that the 12-step people had to do. I'm getting this out of Joseph's book. I don't know if that's actually, you know, the case or whatever, but... I think Joseph did his research. I, I'm sure he did. Are you saying he might have said something that isn't true? We would never say that, Joseph. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just... Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. But, it's a but, culture I mean, thing. It's a scene, yeah, you know? It, exactly. It more like... Like, I went to a couple of scene meetings in New York. Like, there's there's this famous set of meetings on St. Mark Street. Like, this is back in the 90s, you know? And uh, and that was a scene. And then they had one on 14th Street, and uh, which is sort of on the Lower East Side also, uh, which was a scene. And um, But I wasn't in the scene. I was not cool enough to really be... You know, mm. you know, with all the cool people, but mm. I guess in LA it's like really cool people, like yeah, much man. cooler. Than, so, I, I would never go to a meeting there; I'd be fucking terrified. Sober is the new black, you know. Um, <laughs> what? Sober is the new black. It's going on. I'm always thinking of things that belong in a T-shirt, and that's one of them. Sober oh. is the new black. Um, <laughs> life update. You mean like uh, fashion? Yes. Yeah, okay. It's very fashion. All right. I, it's I very fashion. Thought we were doing a little BLM thing there. I no, no, don't do that because <laughs> we've got fans that will murder us for uh, mentioning that stuff. Um, okay, life update. So uh, Sunday fun day. We we had a pretty good week. Um, pretty crazy. It's always crazy. Mm. Um, but one thing I was thinking about as I was driving here this morning, I got your text about it feels like a Monday. Um, you know, mm-hmm. all this shitty stuff is happening. And and I was thinking like, oh, we better talk about that, you know. But, but I was talking to, I think, my older son about being negative and being positive and trying to, you know, get him in a better mindset and mm-hmm. being like, you know, it's really, really easy to just be like, fuck, this sucks. It's another day, just like the last one that Life's sucked. a shit sandwich. Take it's, another bite. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that's so easy to get into it that. It is. And I was like, I really want a positive vibe. I want us to give our enthusiasm and try and like work on being positive. So I'm going to try and do you a positive You can thing. still have shitty things happen to you and still yeah. maintain a positive attitude. I, yeah, Look at exactly. Me. It's the attitude. So um, I'm trying to have an attitude of gratitude. Sunday fun day. Attitude uh, gratitude. <laughs> uh, you know, just a regular church and, you know, um, wanted to... Oh, so we had a, a play date. This is the, the news from, from Sunday. Uh, I was trying to get... Uh, my son to play with your son. Right. Um, we try to do the same thing. And, uh, and so without talking to my son, I'm kind of like, all right, we got to get, you know, Noah to right. hang out with Ben. They'll have a good time, whatever. So I kind of half set it up talking to you. I'm like, oh, you know, is Ben available? I want to get, 
you know, to hang out. You know, mm-hmm. of course, I'm thinking like, oh, maybe me and my can hang out too. Right. And um, <laughs> which is my secret plan, you know. <laughs> but he had other plans. And uh, I was like, what do you mean you have plans? He's like, oh, I'm meeting up with Vienna, my girlfriend, uh, quote unquote. And uh, I was like, well, what are you doing? What do you want to do? He's like, oh, she wants to go to the arcade. And I'm like, that's where <laughs> I wanted to hang out with and Ben, right. <laughs> you know, so I get roped into chaperoning this <laughs> thing. And then I, of course, had the awkward, like, I had to walk it back a little bit. And I'm like, oh, you kind of like, I should have asked him first. And it was like, whatever. But I ended up, um, you know, I ended up chaperoning them at round one. It was very cute to see these two weird 11-year-olds kind of awkwardly, mm. you know, hanging out. And uh, I was pretty hands-off with them at round one. I mean, yeah, you can't touch the kids at round one. No, you know, touching the kids. <laughs> and, um, you know, I gave him his space and, and I'm working really hard right now with my 11 year old on giving him space. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's important, um, especially when he's around this girl he's trying to impress. Um, and uh, and you also went round one. If people don't know it out there, it's one of these. Arca- I don't know if they have these nationwide or worldwide. It's yeah, like sure they have. It's like a Dave and Buster's. It's it's what arcades are these days. Yeah. You know, uh, it has a bowling alley. Uh, you buy credits. It's this whole. It's like an old school arcade with amazing games. And uh, so this week though, he did hang out with Ben. Yeah, yesterday I I chaperone the two of them. But when I say chaperone, uh, what I mean is I sit in one of the massage chairs outside of the place and just keep an eye on the exits to make sure they don't run out. Um, But but they actually eluded me yesterday. So I get Mm. a call. Ben calls me. This is funny because Ben and Noah, like we're in the arcade. His round one's in the mall, by the way. It's in the mall. Okay. And they're in the arcade and they're playing games. And then I get a call from Ben and and, and he sends me a text, and it's a picture of a box of candy cigarettes. And I'm like, where are you? He's like, we're in the candy store. I'm like, there's a candy store in the mall? Like, uh, So I go find them in there, and they're all like tittering about these candy cigarettes because I had told Ben that they were illegal. Or yeah. I, said they just, I didn't say illegal. I said they don't make them anymore. And Parents he's like, look bad. what we found. And they were like, it was like they, they scored like drugs yeah, or something. Yeah. They were like so excited about it. So I'm like, I, I talked to the Indian guy who's running the place, and he's he gets a kick out of the candy cigarettes too. He's yeah. like, oh, so do you want to? Oh, no, I guess I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but anyway, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I bought Bought a pack of candy cigarettes, and uh, the kids were like, "Okay, oh, can, can we have one? Can we have one?" I'm like, "I'm not letting you stick one of these things in your mouth like it's a cigarette and walk around." That's so how I it broke used off to work. little pieces of can of the candy and yeah. gave it to them. Did, you know, is it so. one of those where you would like kind of blow on it and then the sugar puff would come no, out? No, and Do that you remember those? they were so disappointed that it was not that kind because I remembered that. Yeah, and that's the one I would used. To, Tell Ben about. I'm like, in the bad old days, we got yep. these candies. And, uh, but these were not that. They were like solid peppermints, basically. Uh, like you just break off. And they tasted like crap. But uh, I loved getting those um, at the stationery shop after church when I was a kid. We would go into that stationery shop, like across the street, and I would always get those with the sugar you could, but my yeah, mom would go berserk. Really? Even then? Oh, yeah. She was yeah. way against the. Uh, well, I mean, they had they had a good time yesterday, but at the end, like they had to go spend their credits, like like little like Vegas uh, Vegas gambling junkies, and so they go into like the the, the um, you know the place where you redeem your points for 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 stuff. And Noah grabs this sign; it's like a an LED sign that says "Party" on it. <laughs> I know this, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And but that was the last one, so Ben is looking, and he grabs another sign, and he's going up to the counter, and I'm like, what does that sign say? And it's like it's a bottle of liquor. <laughs> Bring it to a martini glass and it says bar on the top. He's like, I'm going to put this in my room. I'm like, fuck you are. You're not putting that in your room. So he, he was really pissed. Like, I wouldn't let him take the bar sign. Oh my God. I'm like, you know what a bar is, right? He's well, like, yeah. well, I came home from work that day 
uh, yesterday, because yesterday was Veterans Day, which I want to talk about also, but so they were off. That's why they were partying and yeah. everything. So I come home, it's dark, and there's this sign in my front window, and I'll post a picture. I took a picture of it. Party, and it's like blinking and spinning. And I come out, I'm like, what the hell is going on in here? And uh, well, your wife was very funny. She sent a text out. She's like, I think it really brings out the uh, the highlights, the color of the house or something. I was like, okay, that's funny. Yeah, so uh, we'll post those pictures in the private group, maybe even in the show notes. Uh, they're pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like today, yesterday was Veterans Day. All I want to say about Veterans Day is, um, you know, these guys and women, men and women who sac- sacrifice their life, their lives, and um, basically their freedom, I'd say, by conscripting in the army. Mm. And uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, Henry, uh, he was a World War II medic. Uh, he later owned a pharmacy in Huntington, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he got a Purple Heart. And really? so, yeah, awesome. yep, Grandpa Henry, uh, he was a veteran. So you know how he got it? You know the story? Well, I don't. I never heard the actual story. Mm. He, he's a guy that didn't talk about the war, right? Um, but you know, one of his arms actually, I, I know some of it because one of his arms was shorter than the other. Mm. And uh, when I, it was a short, powerful guy, and uh, loud too. He called me Nachas. That was my Hebrew name. He would say, Nachas! <laughs> and Nachas, uh, you know, Jewish kid, he was Jewish and uh, practicing. And, of course, we weren't, but he thought that we were because my mom was not being fully honest uh, with I the see. fact that she converted. Do you all get a secret name? All Jewish people get a secret name? I can't speak for all Jewish people, but it was common practice, I guess, for my grandfather. Nachas. His, his Nachas. My brother was Acham. And uh, he called me Nachas all the time. Uh, so, uh, huh. any, in any case, uh, that's that's my uh, veteran in the family, and uh, you know, salute to all the vets. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did you want to talk about uh, it's all bad? Yeah. So, believe it or not, Nat and I listened to a couple other recovery podcasts. I don't know if I put it's all bad in the category of recovery no. podcast because and they don't. There's not a lot of recovery that's talked about in there. But they it, like work in recovery. What's right? that? Don't they work in recovery or something? They they do. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting podcast. It's, it's put together by these two or three guys out in Los Angeles. Uh, Russian Danny is one, uh, Mike, I haven't heard Mike on in a couple episodes. Mm. And then this other guy, um, the guy who went to jail a lot. I don't don't listen to it as much as you. Anyway. Uh, so it's basically a war story podcast. Complete. And they have war stories for days. Yeah. And let me tell you, man. I thought like doing crack in the Bronx in the eighties was pretty hardcore. These guys would take it to another fucking level. What man. they were doing in the nineties. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mostly it's a lot of meth stories. And if you're on the East coast, like meth is sort of like, I never saw meth. Yeah. It was, it was meth- in the gay community in New York city mostly, I yeah. think, but I never saw it not being in the gay community. <laughs> I was going to ask, how'd you know that? But <laughs> I watch um, a lot of documentaries. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, it was just never around. I mean, aside from... I would know, have done it. I mean, there was... I, I'm not one of those addicts that turn shit down. I was I, never like, I'm too good for that. Well, I mean, the place I used to score coke when I was in law school for a couple of years, I'm convinced they cut that with some kind of weird-ass crank sometimes, because I'd be, I'd be up, but I wouldn't be coke hot. That's like the biker know? drug. Yeah, so... Bikers always be cranking. That was, that's the limit of my experience <laughs> with, with meth. But um, meth anyway, so, they, so, so two weeks ago... So check the podcast out. They're really they're super, they're nice guys. You know, they're, the podcast is great. They get some really good guests on there, including a guy they had on two weeks. His name is Chris Collins. Mm. He's another like Cafe Tropical 
attendee or was because they run he runs some rehab too right yeah he's a partner in a rehab that they they're sort of alt recovery because they they um they do like ketamine therapy and uh, psilocybin stuff and and i think smoke a little weed now and then but uh so chris came on and was telling telling stories about how he used to run you know a few years ago uh mostly heroin and meth and crack and his stories were just like off the, you know, going down to Skid Row and living in these... In the body brokering these, stuff. Yeah, um, just crazy shit. And, and um, but when he was on the show, like, two weeks ago, he had his shit together. Oh, he was yeah. in recovery. He was running a recovery. And then, apparently, a week ago or so, he yeah. OD'd and died. So... It's uh, very, very sad. It scares the shit out of me. And it reminds me of the feeling I got when I learned that uh, Chris of the Dopey Podcast also did that. Yeah, you know, Odin died uh, because listening to these people, they sound so sharp. Yeah, and they're so on top of their shit. Or I mean, in a, in a California sort of way. Yeah, like this guy who's all like, you know, the but nature of God and the so. Reality. Yeah, well, you know, our, our heart goes out to his yeah. friends and family. And I mean, uh, he seemed like a yeah. really nice guy, yeah. you know. And and you know, all he did for the last you know, cup few years is just to help people yeah, recover. And, really, you know, be, really helped a lot of people. And he was a sweet guy with, ch- with three children, I think it was, and a wife. And, you know, it's just a reminder, guys, that, um, you know, we have a lot of fun. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, this is serious. The, this disease of addiction, it's fatal. Um, if not treated, it's chronic, fatal. It's progressively worse. Um, you know. There's there's no chipping anymore, not with fentanyl. No. And because it's a very good chance that people, like, you might think you see some cocaine and you're like, oh, that's not going to kill me. I've done cocaine a thousand times, right? Yeah. I know what happens. Mm-hmm. Not anymore, guys. It's uh, fentanyl. It's in everything. I haven't figured out why exactly. I don't know if it matters why. But, uh, yeah, you can slip and die, man. So um, our heart goes out. And uh, it hits close to home because we're, you know, we're podcast about recovery, right? You know, we don't know them at all. You no. know what I mean? But there's still this kinship. You know, we're kind of trying to do the same types of things, and it just it scares me. We're just hitting it from a different angle. Um, yeah. So you know, it's all bad. I've been you know, I, when I found out he passed away, I went back and I listened to that episode in its entirety, which I hadn't done up to that point. And uh, very good episode. I recommend you guys check it out. Um, but but then a new one came out this week, and I, this was before they knew he had he had passed away so they dropped an episode and and they had the <laughs> this is this guy named Lawrence that they had on this week and Lawrence's thing was smoking meth for days on end and <laughs> jerking off in a room <laughs> for like 96 hours yeah. right so um I'm listening to this and Lawrence had been on before and he's he's a kind of nutty guy you know but he entertaining and his telling his stories and stuff he's in recovery now but um so i had the thing playing in the car before i picked the kids up to bring him to round one and i had put it on pause uh-huh. and on the way back from uh from round one i stopped at the cider mill to get you know a jug of cider or whatever mm. and i left the kids in the car with the with the car running and i'm like <laughs> i'll be right back and i brought my phone with me and it was in my pocket uh. and as i'm walking back up to the car 
I hear it playing in the car, oh and the guy's God. saying something like, yeah, and I had my dick in my hand. And I, I look <laughs> yeah. in the car, and I look in the back seat, and the two of them, are their eyes are as big <laughs> as saucers, and they're just staring at the radio, and I'm like, I turned it off. I mean, what must be going through their heads? You know, like Ben, ben goes, <laughs> I don't, they're playing some kind of porn news on the radio. <laughs> I'm like, wow, geez, how did that happen? You know, Porn news. So, uh, so I don't know. Be careful what podcast you listen to in the company of your kids. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, the whole thing with like, it's all bad got me wondering, like, yeah. you know, does that incessant focus on like war stories, is that, a, is that good? Well, is that, does that drive people to relapse? Because the man. funny thing is when Lawrence, like this week's episode on it's all bad, Lawrence, uh, uh, I guess the last time he was on the show, he relapsed like two weeks later. And some people had reached out to these guys and said, you know, be putting them on the show probably causes relapse. And Danny was like, you know what? Fuck that. It's like, those people don't understand how addiction works because, mm. you know... Because we do that all the time. We tell right. stories. Exactly. So I, it got me thinking, like, you know, is there something to that? Like, mm. can can just sitting around and reliving the glory days... Because like, well, I mean, to me, like, when I start thinking about the shit I did in the 80s and how dangerous it was and how I almost died a million times, like, to me, it just... It makes me not want to... No. ...to ever do anything like that again. <laughs> you well, know? the flip side... And, and I'll just say that when I... I've been in some in a few different rehabs, and almost always they had a rule that you know no war stories or mm. no glorifying war stories. Okay. So if they found that you were starting to talk that way, they'd shut it down like as quickly as they could. And maybe it's for that reason because it can. Everybody is different in the way they react to hearing things, and everyone's triggers are different. So you have to be very careful. Yeah, we, we talked about this somewhat when we were starting the podcast. Like, what kind of podcast do we want? Right? Do we want one of those where? a new person every week and you do, does their experience strength and hope and uh and all of that and you know uh that and the other format was like um just straight up war stories right and we've got plenty we could fill up a show sure. with it. and i think uh you know we decided ultimately that it might not be the best idea right um you know that that's not what we're trying to talk about you know i mean i don't know if if that if it follows, you know, maybe maybe the people are, have already relapsed in their head and they're looking well, for yeah. an excuse and, the, and, you know, that sitting around listening to the old yeah. days is, you know, maybe there's your excuse. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I really miss that kind of thing. You know, but listening to stuff sometimes makes, you know, I have euphoric recall when I listen to those things sometimes. And, um, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, you gotta, you got to sort out the feelings of, like, nostalgia mm. that you have for, like... Like, I can tell that story about driving across the country, you know, and, and getting all that. But it, like... It was miserable at the time, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't really enjoy, like, having to go, you know, pay all that money to somebody holding a knife. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's only funny you know? because you're standing here right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. You know, but that, that brings that brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, my uh, emotional relapse. And um, we've talked mm. about this before. It's, it's like a sober bottom. In other words, you know, even though I'm not using uh, and I'm active in recovery... I still hit like a kind of a bottom um, where probably were I not more um, studied in addiction, mm -hmm. recovery, that's when I would relapse. And this is cyclical for me, I find. Like the last week or so, I just felt, and it was almost out of nowhere. I don't know if it, like what it was, but man, I get hit with this depression. I don't know if anyone else out there has depression like this where you just wake up one day and... The world is different. Mm -hmm. You don't know why. You didn't have a dream. Nothing happened. I know. It. But you're you feel different. 
uh, it's like the atmosphere, all the energy around you, all the stuff I'm used to counting on to feel good when I wake up just like isn't there. Mm. And then there's this, and then everything is hard to do. Yes. And like, holy shit. And that's when it all culminated to last week's show. And I was sort of still in that. Uh, it was a foggy in it. I don't know, like the time change happened and a day went by and I woke up one morning and I was fine. And I was like, oh, mm. thank God, man. But like, if that's something that just happens to my brain cyclically because of whatever, how my brain chemistry is, that explains why I would relapse so much because everything is seemingly going okay. I have lots of stressors. Like I'm probably going to have to close the store. You mm. know, things are not, you know, that settled and we're still with this pandemic. Uh, and so I do have reasons to be stressed, but man, uh, that feeling came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and that scares the shit. And that, that's how I understand these, re the people who are they're like, how, how could he relapse? He's doing so great for so long. He was doing right. all this stuff. Some stuff, man, you just don't have control over. Yeah. Like the way you feel, you want to be able to muscle yourself into feeling good. Uh, and sometimes man, so, it doesn't doesn't work. Some days you just can't do it, and and I know what you mean because I was feeling the same thing last. Maybe maybe our biorhythms are <laughs> it's like are like two women having their period at the same right, time, living right? in the same house. Yeah, um, but I, I felt the same way, and, and on days like that, it's just a struggle to do anything. Like right. even to, like to take out the garbage or something. It's just you got to will yourself to like get up and do yeah. it, you know. And that is a good time to like check out with alcohol or drugs, you know. It always sure. would have been in the past. Nothing right? you've been doing seems to be working. Right. So and why not like, drink a bottle of wine and sit on the couch? Yeah, you know or, or whatever but um yeah i don't know i mean you just got to kind of power through those days you yeah know? and luckily because because time doesn't stop no like i still had to do everything on those like it's not like the anyone's gonna be like must go on the show must go on and uh know? and so but I, imagine trying to do it with a hangover or fucking while you were on drugs it's, like it's <laughs> just you know what i mean and were it not for all of the work we've done in recovery and having tools to get through those times to self-soothe you know um i wouldn't have gotten through it and and that's i think how i've primarily stayed sober the past three and a half years mm. uh is by managing those periods because when i'm doing good and when i'm up and then i'm hitting it i feel good it's easy yeah everything's easy right um, but some days i think you got to cut yourself slack and realize yeah. that some days you're just not going to be able to do it no matter how good things are going yeah. some days you just got to fucking you know you got to check out a little bit and take care of yourself yeah, Give so yourself I, a little self Should we have taken care. a dark week, do you think? I'm glad we did this show regardless. Yeah, you I know? am too. Well, I mean, it, it it just goes to show you that even though we thought it wasn't that good, like other people seem to be okay yeah. with it. I mean, we got more downloads than the la you know yeah, the one before. So, so who knows? Uh, who knows? But, you know, that brings me to, to my near relapse uh, this week. You know? what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Near. <laughs> I mean, We're going to argue whether or not this is near yeah. or, or real. Oh, I... <laughs> I don't think it was real. Or but Anyway, so uh, I don't know. I used to go to dead shows, and one of my favorite parts in the parking lot would be to buy the balloons full of nitric, nitrous oxide that the nitrous mafia would bring to the shows. And, you know, you get a big balloon full of nitrous for five bucks. Do you ever do nitrous? Not the good way, like you were doing it. They used to hold. I've only tried it with the whip. The canisters. Can. Yeah, I never like had the blow the back of your throat out if you're not careful. Yeah, I've never tried one of those. Uh, they call it hippie crack yes. because it's, you know. <laughs> 
you do it and then you immediately want to do it again and again and again and again. So, um, but I, but I used to, so I used to love that, you know, and even when I had stopped doing drugs like uh, cocaine and stuff, uh, and even not smoking much weed, I would look so look forward to go to a Grateful Dead uh, related or jam band related concert because I could buy nitrous in the parking lot and just suck it down. You know, it's like legal, isn't it? Those uh, little canisters. It's it's it sits in a gray area. Right. I don't think selling it in a parking lot is legal. <laughs> filling up balloons and selling it in a parking lot. But um, so those of you may or may not know that the whipped cream ready whip and assorted whipped cream canisters have a small amount of nitrous oxide in them um, to, because it's like an accelerant to get the whipped cream out of the can. Um, why they haven't changed that formula in the intervening years, I do not know, but it's still nitrous oxide. So what I would typically do at, at the end of a, of a whipped cream canister is I would put the thing in my mouth and just suck out the rest of the, the rest of the nitrous oxide. And I did this up until a couple of years ago just because yeah. it was like automatic, you know? <laughs> So last muscle week, memory, last week we finished a can of uh, of Ready Whip, and I was had it in my hand, and I was walking in the garage, and I stuck a fucking thing in my mouth, and I was about to like pull the trigger on it and suck the nitrous out because it gets Ugh. you a little bit of a buzz like right. for like five seconds. And uh, you know, side note is my 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 son Dimitri had when he was you know doing more drugs had discovered this as well, so I could never get a whipped cream can in the house to stay longer than ten minutes because right. he would just suck <laughs> the gas out and I couldn't get any whipped cream out of it between the two of you. But um, well, I would always wait till it was empty because I'm an adult and responsible, right? Oh, of course. Uh, but I but I ended up not taking the shot of nitrous and I threw the whipped cream in the garbage. But you right. know the act of putting it in my mouth. But then I I started thinking like, would that be a relapse? Like if you did it, yeah, like um. I don't. It was never my drug of choice. Necessarily. I don't think that matters. I think it's a relapse when you break down and you go outside yourself deliberately to get, you know, high. Yeah. And to disassociate. I think you're right. I think that's a relapse because I don't know. I, I would have so. relapsed on a container of whipped cream. Yeah. Would, it, would I have run out and bought all the ready whip at the lo- at the Seven Eleven then and started sucking those cans down? Probably not. Right? Yeah. Would that have opened the door for me to get drunk? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. What do you guys think out there? Uh, email yeah, us at I... Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com. <laughs> is it a relapse if he if he took that whip it? I yeah. think it is. That's whip it. That's that's whip my, it good. Um uh I wanted to actually acknowledge a childhood friend of mine, Vin, who's listening. And he's been listening this whole time. And I, my Sergeant Slaughter told me about that he was listening. And I'm like, what the f- Like, why is he listening to my podcast? Wow. He's not an alcoholic. Um, but I grew up with him. And uh, I wanted to say hi. Vin, thanks for listening. Vin, um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Why does Vin listen to us? I don't know. I, I think maybe it's entertaining. Yeah. I don't know. He was yeah. one of my favorite guys that I grew up with, though. He's a super nice guy. Got a beautiful family. Um, it'd be great to get together again one of these days. Um you know, I missed that crew. Um, did and you want to talk about what uh, soccer football party thing? Um, maybe. <laughs> what about it? I don't know. Um, soccer football party. Oh, yeah. Okay, we had a very serious. Uh, something went down. Okay, we talk a lot about how we're in a small town, PTA meetings, mm-hmm. parents. Uh, soccer games, all of that stuff that probably a lot of you out there are familiar with. Um, and, you know, part of what we're doing is trying to n- these people to not know that we are these addicts, you know, or recovering addicts because of the stigma and all of that. Right. right? We're trying to stay anonymous locally. 
So one of my youngest son's um, mothers, uh, who was running, uh, he's the, she was the soccer coach, parent type of thing. And, um, you know, it was the last game. There was supposed to be a party and all of that. And I don't know all the details. Long story short, basically, uh, she got in a car accident and was like out of it type of thing. Oh. So we think it's a, a driving while intoxicated type of situation. Um, I don't know all the details, but it, it brought up all of these like, you know, questions, seeing it from the other side. Because now my wife and I are having these conversations like, do we want now our son to be under her yeah, care when she seriously. seemed like apparently like her eyes were rolling back into her head. Like it was like, she was clearly, you know, and it was like seven 30 in the morning. Type Ooh, of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a lot of stuff's been coming out and I've been really like, you know, trying to say to my wife, like, let's please hold off on making a judgment about what happened. We have no idea. Right. I've known this, this woman for a long time. I've never had an inkling that mm. I have pretty good spidey sense with this stuff, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, and I just want to withhold judgment and then it's like, okay, now how do we be there for her? Right. When we're not that close, it's not like it would be that comfortable for my wife to say, listen, we've gone through some of this. How do we can help? How did you find out about this? Because that, so the, the, the details are something like she, uh, she had to do something else that morning and had a close friend drive the son to the soccer mm-hmm. on her way there. She gets in that accident and then she had to she had to bring certain things for the party uh-huh. so that woman had to got the call oh i see at, i've been in an accident i need you to pick me up she went to pick her up and she was like totally out of it something like that you know so and then it was this big thing she lost the car because it was like totaled oh and uh and it's a real and she was hosting the soccer party at her house that day Ooh. you know and she was trying to be there and it was clearly like you know under the influence of something and I, after the accident, yeah. people went to the house and saw that she was impaired. I, I think that's that's okay. what went on. Yeah, um, from yeah that's a rough situation, man. Because you know how how much do you interject yourself into that? Well, you right. Because having this knowledge of recovery and stuff, you know, clearly there's an issue that needs to be dealt with. But right. what do you do? You know? What do you do? And uh, I don't know when you're not that close, you know, yeah. personally with um, parents of a child. But and it brings up all of these questions. <clears throat> It reminds me of when, you know, when maybe when I was active, I mean, I didn't have that much. I mean, some public stuff did happen. And right. Some people must have known. Yeah. I wonder, um, I wonder if they were having those same conversations and I would hope that they would be more open-minded. And so I'm trying to be that open-minded uh, parent yeah. and also considering, you know, my wife's closer with her than I am because they talk of making dates for the kids. Mm. And we just are not sure what to do in this in this scenario. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. Do you step in? Do you say, "Hey, listen, if you need," I mean, I think my wife was something like, "You know, you need to talk about this stuff." Like, please, right? You know, I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's it's kind of interesting seeing this from the other side. It's yeah. very scary, and this is someone who is very high functioning college professor. You know, all mm. of that stuff. Well, um, hopefully, she gets. Uh it's the help she needs. And, yeah. You know. uh, but this stuff is happening and people you least expect are having trouble, especially right now with this COVID pandemic. Because so many people, they're telling us it's over and everything's fine. But guess what? Um, my business is still failing. You mm-hmm. know, uh, so many businesses are closing, including another one in town. Um, the, oh, the Italian the, place? The favorite. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, to be honest, their chick- it, chicken was very dry. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I like their Greek salad, though. It was okay. So um, keep that in mind, folks. It, it's not just people out there who are like, 
you know, criminals who are falling prey to this stuff. If you're listening, you're well aware of that. Um, right. Last thing I'm going to say before we move on to the main topic, unless you have, have something else. But no. I, think, yeah. I just wanted to say Sergeant Slaughter, everyone's favorite alcoholic cop, is um, decided to try and stop drinking. And he wanted to tell everybody that he's got, unless he's relapsed since, I hope he didn't, but he's got about three days. He's trying to work with the Any Grace program. I don't know if it's the, this naked mind or if he's trying the alcohol experiment, but right. it's a very good sign. Um, I'm a little worried. He said he doesn't really want to quit, but well, I feel like... None of us really wanted well, to. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I thought I said, I didn't really want to either, man. Uh, I didn't realize uh, I, I wanted to quit until I finally did long right. enough to be like, oh. Yeah. You know, so we're supporting... Should have done this years ago. And I told him, I said, Sergeant Slaughter... I said, go in the private group and get some support. That's what yeah, we that's do what in the private group. People post how many days they have all the time, and they get their support. And if they, you know, relapse that day, they come and get support too. Yeah, it's fine. It's all love. Yes. Uh, so we're wishing you luck, Sergeant Slaughter. Yes. And uh, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's a lion roar. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. All right. Sorry. That's what we need because. For the main topic today, we're talking about this new podcast called Hooked. Um, yeah, this on is a Apple good podcast. one. Um, Sorry, <laughs> it, it is a good one. It's a podcast about a bank robbing father-son addict team. In 2005, Anthony Hathaway, a Boeing engineer, was prescribed the pain medication OxyContin after surgery for a ruptured disc in his back. Today, he's nearly three years out of prison after robbing 30 Seattle-area banks to fund his addiction. And might I add, it was 30 banks in in uh, one year. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Congratulations, bro! It's a crazy <laughs> that's, story. That's amazing. Mike pointed this out to me and told me I had to listen to it. I'm glad yeah, I did. We've been talking about a lot of other podcasts today, but this one's a good one. That's where um, all the content is. Podcast. Yeah, uh, camps. It's it's on campsite media. You can find it on uh, the usual podcast places. We we're this is not an advertisement. We we're not getting any money from them. Sadly. Not getting any money from anybody. <laughs> from anybody. <laughs> but uh, I think you guys would really really like it because not only does it talk about him robbing banks, which is interesting, but uh, it goes through his whole um, you know the opioid crisis and and how he basically went from being a twenty year design engineer at Boeing. Yeah, that's to, an incredible story. Yeah, and living a, the perfect middle class dream with his wife and and two kids to. Um, Living in his car with his son, smoking <laughs> smoking heroin with his son, um, you know, horrible. Uh, but the, the thing that was uh, interesting is, you know, he um, and, and they kind of glossed over this a little bit. Like he had been in rehab before. Like when he was in high school, he drank a lot, like all the time. And right after he graduated, uh, they his parents were like, you know, you got to get yourself together. And he went to rehab and then he didn't even have so much as a, a drop of liquor for, you know, 10, 15 years wow. until, um, yeah. until he got prescribed the oxys by his doctor, which he took as directed. It, it you know? set it off. It um, set it off. He got in, uh, he was in, uh, the accident he had, he was, uh, Boeing is this great company. Apparently they have a lot of stuff for the employees. It's very comprehensive. There's a lot of camaraderie. Yes. And he was playing in some like roller hockey league. Yeah. Um, and on rollerblades on concrete, he somehow tripped, fell. It was like this awful, like hematoma shattered, you know, and he burst a disc, uh, burst a disc. And, and that's how, and it all went down from there. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he took the, it was, it was interesting how he explained how he got from 
the first prescription that his doctor wrote to to scoring heroin out on the on the street. Um, you know, he started with the oxys as they were, you know, as they were prescribed, and then, mm-hmm. but they would keep refilling the prescription like over and over and over until the point where you know his back was always going to be fucked up, but he probably didn't need the oxys anymore. But he was completely addicted after like yeah. a, a couple of months, and then. Um, so he started out taking, I guess, I'm not sure how they break these oxys up, like, but he started on the lowest dose. It was like 10 milligrams? Yeah, something like three times a day, and he ended up with like 80 milligrams four times a day. Um, and that was also proving not to be enough. So he would uh, crush the pills up and smoke them. Like he would heat them on tinfoil and then sort of chase the dragon, you know? With yeah, the, which could the, really foil. fuck your lungs up. Yeah. Listening to, um, I was listening to a, a, a podcast story about someone who had a collapsed lung Ugh. from the foil. Really? Yeah. Because that, of the aluminum. Hmm. Or as they say in Australia, aluminum to our Australian listeners. Yes. I wonder if they say that in New Zealand too. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so at the point where that was no longer working for him... Uh, he was living with his son uh, at the time. He had gotten a divorce over, you know, nothing related to drugs. He and his wife just grew apart. He was you know, a workaholic. He, yeah, he worked a lot. He traveled. And um, he went into his son's room one day, and he saw that his son was was uh, smoking something. And he asked him what it was, and his son said it was heroin. And instead of, like, being, an a, honest da- kid. being a dad and being like, how could you be doing that? He was like, give me a hit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so at that point, he was already, you know, severely addicted um and the podcast goes into you know uh, a little bit about you know should you be sympathetic for this guy who's doing drugs with his son because you think like what a scumbag right i mean like you know you're your father you're supposed to be helping hmm. him out but i mean that's good just yeah just goes to show you like um you know where is where is the choice in addiction right like if you're I was thinking. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Choice, choice. Do we have a choice? Do we have a choice? Like, if you're, in the, if I was in the middle of a crack run, like there would be no way I could just decide to stop if I still had money. You certainly try to. Well, I, I don't. Can you even? There, there form? Were, because like yeah. maybe it's like automatic in your brain the same way. Like if you eat something bad, your body's going to throw up. Right. You can't stop that from happening. Mm. There's no way. Maybe it's the same thing in your head. Yeah, I'm the only way I can sort of get close to an answer for myself is to think about how the mindset I was in um when you are getting to a point where you know you're going to get sick or you are dope sick it's hard to, hard to explain there's this feeling of dread like mm. it is the worst thing that could ever happen to you your your brain treats it like a survival threat. Yeah. Basically, and that's what they tell us in research um, about this, is that your brain gets changed and it puts uh, using whatever that drug is above uh, your basic needs. So your brain thinks of using uh, as more important to your survival than eating, sleeping, love. Right. And they see this all the time. They see it with humans, but you know, in closely studied environments with rats, you know, these high rats that are always getting wasted, um, you know, but they've done a lot of studies on this and how it changes your brain, you know. So at some point, and this has been debated over and over again, do addicts have a choice? Is it a disease against mm. your will? And the answer is it's complicated. It is complicated. I mean, if you really had a choice, would you choose? I mean, this guy was father of the year up until the point where he became addicted. And then 
you know, he ends up living in a car with his son, doing hero- shooting heroin with his son every day. If that guy had really had a choice, do you think that would have been his choice? No, but I think it... Because that's not him, right? Because he's clean now, and now I, he seems like the and we've all, perfectly nice, normal... We've know. all felt that way. Um, you know, you look at who you are today, sober, and back at who you were, and it is a different person. And we're constantly trying to explain to people, that wasn't me, that wasn't me. Mm. But it's very hard to understand... Uh, for someone who hasn't been through it. Um, but this idea that you can, um, that you absolutely have to have this drug to survive. I mean, once you're clean long enough, I think there, then yes, there's a choice. I'm not yes. a believer. No, I agree. I'm not a believer in a lifetime of I'm an addict and I have no control and I have no choice. Right. Which is out there. People do believe that and they use that in their recovery. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I believe that once you're out of the chemical psychological dependency, which takes time and work right. and time away, and it may involve, you know, psych medication, depending on, you know, the patient. But I think at some point, yes, it is a choice, mm-hmm. but not when you're not when right. you're in the middle of it. I mean, it's nearly impossible. There's always someone out there who says, oh, I quit cold turkey and it was fine. Okay, great. You know, you're pretty much alone in this, or very few, mm-hmm. just from what people say. In any case, um, so I don't think you have a choice when you're in that. No, um, because this guy, <laughs> he applied his engineer's mind to to the the robbing of the bank, right? And and it it came out in the way he even the way the the one bank robbery that he and his son tried to do together, <laughs> how he sketched everything out on the on a piece of cardboard when they were in that flea bag motel. Uh, I mean, that thing ended up going sideways. Was that right? the first one? Because I was a little confused that was the about first, the timeline. That was the first one before, because then they... The son goes to... The son goes to jail. They both get arrested. He gets kicked free because he they could, had nothing on him. Right. Um, they finally decide to rob the bank. So in the story, he's he and his son are, I guess, running and using together. Right. And... Um, it comes to a point where they're out of money and they need to buy more dope. And all they can think of is rob a bank, right? And it's him and his son. And they're like, let's do it. They make a plan, like you said. And in the end, it was supposed to be him going in, but because of his back, he had a bad back. So his son was like, dad, I'll, I'll do it. (laughs) So the son does it. He gets, you know, dressed up. He goes into this bank. Uh, he pulls it off. Uh, but when he comes out, they put a dye pack. Right. And the dad is waiting in the car. And a dye pack, you've seen it in movies, it blows up and like, it looked like a trail of red smoke was coming <laughs> out of his pants or his, you know, where he had it. And so <laughs> they get in the car and it burned through like four layers of clothes, this like flare or whatever. It ruined 100% of the money. Yeah. They were covered in this red ink <laughs> dust. And while they were driving away, the trail was coming off of the car, you know, so they could, but they got, they got away for a little bit. They got away for a little while, but, um, a good Samaritan citizen, uh, was following the sun, following the trail of red dye coming out of his pocket. Uh, and then they managed to lose that car right. and then he hopped a fence or whatever, but then they got back together and, and he got in his dad's car, but there was somebody else following, following them and they got the license plate and they turned it to the police and then they, then he got caught. They got um, caught, but he, the son, you know, because somehow the dad got out of going to uh, jail at first, right? Right. He, he were pinning because he figured the son was caught red-handed, literally. Yes. And um, 
And so they talk a little bit about how he had to say, like, if we can't, if we both go to jail, not so good. You right. know, if the son can take it, it'll be good. I can stay out here, get our shit together. Yeah, I can stay out here. I can get off dope and I can, uh, you know, help you from the outside. Meanwhile, that didn't happen. No. He continued to use, and that's when the bank robbing really started in earnest. But, you know, we're only about halfway through the podcast. It's All the episodes are not out yet. I think right. the new ones drop every Tuesday. Yeah, maybe. I'm up to episode four. But Yeah, that's that's where I'm at, too. Um, it's a really cool podcast. It starts yeah. out with this guy, I guess Josh Dean, who is making the, the podcast. He is inter- The interviews start with, um, with Anthony Hathaway, in prison so he gets him on the phone and then so a lot of this podcast i was really intrigued by the production value of it yeah it was really you good. know it's yeah. really interesting because now i'm seeing it from both sides but it's really good production you know he's got interviews from like prison calls and then he's got somewhere you know it's all these different you know places he's going to talk to him and then he finally gets out of out of jail or right. prison and um and it's very very uh, I mean, it's it's just crazy story. He was this extremely high-functioning Boeing engineer. And if you don't know what that means, it is nearly impossible uh, for someone like Anthony Hathaway without an engineering degree mm. to get to his the position he had. I mean, right. he was an exceptionally, extraordinarily intelligent and hardworking engineer who was at the top. He, I mean, he was working on like Virgin Airways, you know, plane galleys or something. You well, that, know? That's why he got away with 30 banks. Right. You know, um, but you know, they, they, they take a broader, um, they pull back and take a broader look at the, uh, the opiate crisis in general. Um, and, um, you know, he blames the, the formulation change in oxy, for the heroin epidemic that became has since become the fentanyl epidemic because you know when oxy changed its formula you could no longer crush up the pills and snort them or smoke them you know they would just turn into jelly right so you know and oxys were too expensive they were 80 bucks uh, a pill 80 or to 100 dollars a pill but uh, meanwhile you could go out and get heroin for what five five bucks a bag or something yeah. you know 10 um 100 bucks a bundle so yes yeah, so everybody just you know all the oxy Heads, once they changed the formulation, they just went out and became heroin addicts. Yeah. And, and the, there were Mexican cartels. They didn't mention this in the uh, in the, uh, the podcast, but I read a book about this a few years ago. It was like the cartels just sort of stepped right in there. Like, they, Thank they rec- you very much. They recognized <laughs> the need. And so this one town in Mexico like was where all the black tar comes from. And that would just, you know... Mm. They just cornered the market and just started um, marketing to is it like a white tourist, people in the suburbs. Is it like a basically. tourist attraction? Like, this is the home of black tar heroin, <laughs> and you can like, visit a statue of Pablo Escobar? And- no, there is a really good <laughs> book, though, that, that talks about how like certain towns in Mexico are known for certain things. Like, you know, in this town, they make tequila. In this town, they, you know, they make pottery. And in this town, they make black tar black heroin. Black tar heroin. Yeah. But um, it's a major export. I mean, it sounds it sounds funny, but I mean that's kind of the way it kind of the way it works. And and the distribution like that they did in these uh, these cities, they would always go to like second tier cities and you know markets specifically rather than going to like Skid Row or places where you traditionally sell heroin, they went right to like um, they neighborhoods knew- where pe- they knew people would be addicted to to mm. painkillers and to sort of cornered that market there. Really, really yeah. interesting story. I'll, I'll have to figure out the name of that book and, and put a link and, in and the show you, notes. If you don't know a lot about the, um, the Sackler family and the Purdue Pharma, we did an episode on crime of the century and, uh, 
Patrick Radden Keefe's Empire of Pain, where we get mm-hmm. into depth about what Purdue was up to and, and why they did this uh, formulation change. Uh, the basics behind it is they were about to lose their... Um, What's it called when they have exclusive rights to produce it? The patent. They were about to lose their, thank you, about to lose their patent, uh, and they had to change the formulation. On top of the patent, they were getting a lot of shit for it being abused, mm-hmm. I think. And so this was kind of a way for them to save their own ass on yeah. a number of levels. Right. But what <laughs> well, what didn't come out in, in their discussions is how is this going to affect all of these people who are addicted to this? Right. You know, but the problem was they weren't really admitting internally uh, or, you know, outwardly that it was doing that. They're mm-hmm. just trying to make more billions. Um, and so that's why it changed from, M- I think, MS Cotton, or maybe that was the early one, into Oxy, into the um, extended release right. protected one. So. Uh, that's that's what he blames it on, and he's probably right. I mean, it's probably one of the most uh, the best thing we can think of as to why, mm. you know. And um, you know, and this is all over right now. And I was watching a show called Dope Sick on. Um, yeah, we should do a more extensive uh, review of that thing. But the thing is, it's yeah. the same story that well, we've been covering all along, I right? No, and I'm I'm wondering to myself, like now when I hear the word oxy and Purdue's and Sadler's, I'm like, ugh, it's right. been so done. Yeah. But it's been done because there's so much to it. It's so important and it's been so damaging, I think. Yeah. So even when I'm watching this, I saw the new show with Michael Keaton. I is mean, it good? Yeah. I, I want to watch it. Oh my God. It is really good. Um yeah, really well done. Really excellent. It kept my attention. It kept me interested because mm. it covers certain personal angles of this that I didn't think about. Huh. Um, like the sales force, the oh, people yeah. and the sales team at Purdue, what was going on, the internal moral struggles they were having with mm-hmm. what was happening. You're making all this money on the one hand. And then these guys that are, Michael Keaton's a doctor who becomes addicted to Oxy yeah. in the show. And so it's kind of about the relationship between this young salesman and this doctor who he like convinces to give this to his patients and the patients all get addicted and it shows the the opioid crisis and it gets into the Sacklers versus the FDA versus uh, versus the um, the FDA and the uh, the regulating authority that I can't mm. think of um, FDA and the DEA maybe um, Wow, I can't remember. In any case, so it goes into all of that infighting in the government, right? And you know, because Purdue like had a guy at the FDA that helped them write the label, that helped them yeah, sell yeah, the yeah. opiate. I mean, it, there's so much. Oh, to you it. really learn about how how much it costs to buy a congressman. It's it, you know, uh, yeah, it's not that much money. <laughs> no, so uh, you know, and so this is, goes along with all that. And so, how far did the tentacles reach of this oxy? Cotton, you know, conspiracy. Yeah, Oxytopus. Oxytopus. Um, yeah. Anyway, so check yeah. out the podcast. Um, I was in a bank robbery. Did you know that? No. Yeah. What do you mean? Um, I lived in Buffalo in, in 1993 for like six months. And I, it, the time I was there, I was involved in more criminal activity than I was in the Bronx in the really? previous seven years. Uh, uh, no. I mean, I didn't rob the bank, but I was in the bank when it was robbed. And um, so... Uh, I was working there uh, as a temp, and uh, I hear a commotion at the teller's window one day, and I'm walking up to see if I can help the guy, and the guy's in a camo jacket, and he turns around, and he's got a 9 millimeter and he points it right in my face. Jeez. And I had just moved out of the, the Bronx like a couple months before then, and I had been held up gunpoint a few times there, so I was just kind of like, <laughs> okay. you know, all right, man, <laughs> gotcha. you know, it's all good. And I, so I, I moved to the side. And he goes past me, and he runs out the door, and then the FBI comes, and everybody comes. And at this point, I was so like freshly off, 
crack that like any interaction I had with a police officer, I always assumed I was guilty of something. Yeah, right? I still feel that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and so now I'm talking to the FBI, right? And I'm like, I just, whatever happens, I have to make sure that this guy knows that I wasn't involved. Yeah. Right. So he goes through this interview, you know, it was an FBI agent. He was, he was pretty cool. He was a young guy. He had like cowboy boots on, nice. you know, and he interviewed everybody individually. And then they let us all go, okay? So I go for a walk downtown Buffalo, and there's a street in downtown Buffalo called Chippewa Street. And Chippewa Street is sort of like 42nd Street was in Times Square in like the 80s. It was mm. all like strip clubs, degenerates, you know, the whole thing. And I, I of course, gravitated towards <laughs> of course. that part of town. Yeah, yeah I was walk, you know, going for a walk, clear my head. And uh, I walk down Chippewa Street, and I see the guy that robbed the bank on fucking Chippewa Street. Wow. I see him. And you and tackled I, him, right? No. Oh. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, I go over to a payphone. I'm like, I got to call the cops. And then I stop myself and I said, you know what? If I call the cops, they're going to be like, no way is this a random thing that he just ran, runs uh-huh. into this guy downtown. You yeah, know? And it was like, it was my crackhead him. brain going, don't call the fucking cops. That's you survival know? thinking. Yeah. So I didn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he ended up robbing like three more <laughs> banks until he was finally caught. And it turned out that he was a Buffalo police officer who had been kicked off the force because he had a drug problem. Wow. And he was a he was a drug addict, and uh, was just knocking over all the banks, and that was his service weapon that he had not turned in. Wow, um, wow! It, it, bank robberies are one of these things that you hear about, and you never think they'll happen, especially these days. Mm. Um, but thinking about it. I actually have a kid. I, I played on the tennis team in the seventh grade with this kid. His dad was a doctor. Mm-hmm. He was on the news about 10 years ago for robbing three banks in Hicksville. <laughs> really? He went away for five years. Um, not Drugs? Only, um, I, don't, I don't know what the exact story was with him. Probably. I mean, he was a bad, you know, he had a rough time, that kid. Um, and not only that, about a year ago, I'm watching the news and I see that um, an individual was just captured. Uh, they had a video of him, you know, robbing this bank, and now he's in jail. And I mm-hmm. looked at the name, and I recognized the name. Really? Who was it? My ex-girlfriend's brother-in-law. No way. Robbing a bank. I'll point him out to you after the show. I no just thought way. of that. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, and, and it's like, what do you say? Because I don't really, I don't talk to her anymore. You yeah, know? yeah. And if I was just like, hey, what happened to your brother-in-law? Like, <laughs> look like I'm stalking. But people be robbing banks, man. The bank around the, in our small town. And, uh, you know, and Joseph Naus can, uh, can attest to the smallness of our town. <laughs> yes, it is a He commented. Town. He's just like what I, what I imagined, you know. Uh, th- that bank was robbed a couple of times yeah. uh, at gunpoint. Uh, so this is happening, but you don't get much money from these robbers. You don't. I mean, this guy averaged like 2500 from every bank that he robs. Did so. you catch the total that they said, the total accrued over the year of yeah. 30 bank robberies? How much he got? It was, Do you recall? It was like less than his salary. $70,000. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> So think about, there's no logic. You have an, a Boeing engineer with no engineering degree. Right. So smart, but he can't put that, you know. Uh, he'd been fired at, by, at that point, unfortunately. Oh, and yeah. it sounded like the dream, like what a dream job, man. Yeah. That's like, oh man, if I were smart, I would uh, be an engineer. <laughs> One thing I remember that the, that FBI agent did tell me uh, when during the interview after the bank robbery was that banks get robbed all the time. Yeah. Like every day. And more, way more than you would ever think, you know, because the the tellers are told just not to resist, like yeah. just put the money in the well, bag. It's and FDIC, you know, yeah. it's covered by it's insurance, insurance, right? And they just, and, you know. I mean, nowadays, 
how much cash do banks even have on hand? Yeah. Like, does, does anybody use cash for anything besides buying drugs? Like, I didn't. Hey, you can't even get coins anymore. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so check out the podcast. What's it called again? It's called Hooked. Hooked. It's uh, an Apple podcast. Uh, I guess it's officially produced by them. And I was <laughs> I was listening to the end of that because now that we are doing a podcast, I'm also listening to you know the way other yeah. more professional podcast podcasts craft. Do. Yes, they they do credits at the end. Yeah. And did you hear how many people worked on that podcast? There's like an editor, there's a producer, there's a story designer, there's sound design, there's, you know, engineers. That's why they're in the top five download a podcast this week. (laughs) We need it. And we are not. (laughs) We we list the the people helping us. um, Well, at least we've got Grant helping us and Jeff and we've got... Aaron on the team and every all of the monsters on the private group and hey yes can we plug something yeah plug it how about our we plug our recovery meeting that's scheduled for this Sunday yes we have a recovery meeting planned by the great Grant B the editor at large of the Army newsroom and moderator on the private group uh, we're gonna do a Zoom recovery meeting we are and it's gonna be this Sunday and it's gonna be at a time that's um, good for people on the West Coast and on the East Coast and in uh, Mer- England yes, as well. So I think it's 11, 11 a.m. a.m. East, East Coast time, yep. which is eight, 7 or 8 p.m. in okay. London. I don't know. We, it's and, daylight savings, everything's... Yeah, it's like 8 a.m. on the West Coast. So if you want uh, to participate in that, you should like our Facebook group. And then we will send you an invitation to the private group or request an invitation by emailing Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com. And you can participate in that. It would be great to see some of you yeah. folks. You know. you know what this is? That's your, that's your bag. These, <laughs> I'm holding the bag. Uh, we're going to do some of these dis- discussion chips, but I mean, I have to be late only because of, you know, I'll be at church, but meeting's going to start. Uh, Mike and I will both be there. Yes. Grant will definitely be there. A bunch of the monksters. Uh, I want to say hello and um, try our first recovery meeting. I'm very excited about it. Let's see how it goes. And it's not going to be a 12-step or any, you know, conventional thing. It's just we're just going to get together and talk about stuff. We don't have any set format. I I I got those discussion chips, you know, just for fun. Uh, Maybe a little check-in, get to know each other, how you doing type of thing. And, um, and yeah, looking forward to it. And with that, uh, I do have a Munster Speak that I'd like to do after the break. And then go into recovery in the news. Can oh, we do wow. that? This is crazy, man. Yeah, I'm going to try this a little like, different. Yeah. We'll be right back after these words. And we're back. And we're back. Uh, so we're doing something a little different. We're altering our format. Shaking it up. Yeah. And now it's time for Monsters Speak. Speak, speak, speak. <laughs> So in this Monsters fucking sound effect for that. Uh, in this next segment, Monsters speak. We uh, we hear from you guys. Uh, this is all takes place on the private group. It's free. Uh, it's fun. It's easy. Come join us. And so what I did was just kind of getting a workout for these recovery. You can hear them right there. Um, what was that? How about that? Monsters speak. Uh, I don't know. No? Work on it. Monsters uh, speak. We'll stick with that one. All for right. Um, letting go of anger. So I posted a picture of one of these chips and I said, Monsters speak. Today's discussion chip says, letting go of anger. How does this apply to your recovery? Nat X. Uh, and so I'm going to read a couple of them here. Bianca Dixon, everybody's favorite Kratom recovery person, says, 
Let's just say my coworkers have been working my nerves all week, practicing patience and meditating lately. Ah, tomorrow is Friday. Yay. Um, and then uh, I, I said, uh, practice makes progress, trademark. Tell Jeff to put that on a T-shirt. Um, I thought that sounded cool. Um, so Allison DP says, letting go of anger about not being able to drink normally was a big hurdle for me. Logically, I know I'm better off, but that one stung. Sarah S. says, that's what my counselor says I must do. And... I must. Yes. Um, I wrote a big, long thing. Should I read it? So did I. Uh. <laughs> All right. What I said was, I don't remember if I wrote anything good here. A lot of anger I was dealing with during the heat of my struggles with addiction and the courts was toward the system and how unfair it was. Joseph Naus was a great example of doing it right by forgiving, truly forgiving the DA. Yes. Who was really after him. I made a lot of progress in the resentment and anger area but i definitely struggle with these feelings joseph talked in his interview about praying for the da and how he has come to forgive her and in doing so he was able to move forward in a positive way i think that anger and forgiveness go hand in hand the ability to move past it is your recovery superpower and then i quote the great yoda yes who says famously in the phantom menace fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger anger (laughs) leads to hate hate (laughs) leads to suffering (laughs) <laughs> it got better every sentence. Uh, yeah, I worked uh, on it. Yeah. Um, and then you said something, I Monster. Did. Monster 2. What did I say? Anger, like its cousin resentment, is a poison I take, hoping the object of my anger gets sick and dies. Yeah. It's ultimately self-destructive. I've had enough self-destruction to know where that leads. I have found meditation to be really helpful because it teaches me to put some space between seeing the anger arise and feeling like I have something to do with it. That said, I still get fucking angry, <laughs> but not as often and not as intensely. Yes. Wow. Dropping that F-bomb. Well, I was punctuating my, uh, yeah. you know, I was, expo- I was trying to do there. Um, you want to read a couple more? Go ahead. Um, i going to give Rob Skelt. Well, he's got a long one here. Oh, and you replied to that. Okay. Oh, Christine C. says, most of my anger is towards myself for all the wrongs I did while being active in my addiction and it's hard to let that go sometimes yeah you have to let that go though all right because let, if you stay angry with yourself over stuff like that like you're, you're just going to eat yourself alive from the inside all right the last one and uh, rob asks he's always got something interesting to say um and he says this is a long one i should have read it first but here we go i've realized how much anger i had when i was drinking excessively every day everything made me angry hangovers craving and yeah uh, and also when consuming uh, snappy anger, but thankfully not aggressive or violent. Also, a hell of a lot of resentment and envy, maybe another relative of anger. Uh, the anger and a short fuse caused by something or someone has almost completely disappeared, but envy and resentment still do linger, which can lead to angry thoughts. If I'm at home, I have a lie down and listen to a podcast, lately Joseph's book. Yes. Do a task that needs doing. If at work, I strike up a conversation with someone as it can help stop those internal thoughts. Funnily enough, I like that word, one such colleague who I previously couldn't abide due to their tales of how much they had, I can now tolerate and feel happy for. Guess that reinforces to me how I'm becoming a better person. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I really identified with that because I remember, you know, you're, when you're always hungover, you're always a little drunk. You're, I, I was just angry all the time at everybody. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought that that was just the way my life was going to go. I was just going to be angry all the time. Right. But, you know, you, I took the booze away and then I noticed that that started to go away. Yeah. And you I know? see that in, in active alcoholics, you know, it's, there's an edge. There's yeah, an, uh, an, always an edge and like an anger. You're being wronged. Um, anyway, so that's a taste of what goes on at the private group and what will be going on at our recovery meeting led by uh, Grant B. Thank you, Grant, for doing that. And uh, and that is Monsters. Monsters Speaks. Speak. Monsters Speak. No? It's terrible. <laughs> Everyone's going to jump if they were trying to sleep. Now they're awake. <laughs> These are free sound effects, you know. No kidding. And <laughs> that brings us to... Recovery in the news. Yeah. That'll wake him up. All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery. Recovery in the news, motherfucker. Yeah, yo. Okay. So. Ooh, sorry. Um. Uh, <laughs> 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 I have to take that away from you. Uh, I, it's my new toy. Uh. Um, okay, recovering the news this week comes from uh, medicalnewstoday.com, which uh, appears to be a trustworthy site providing medical <laughs> news. Um, appears. It appears to be. Anyway, the title is Moderate Alcohol Consumption Should Not Be Recommended for Health Reasons. Right. You agree with this? I agree. Okay. A new study contradicts previous findings that link moderate alcohol consumption to health benefits and a longer life. The researchers found uh, that those who abstain from alcohol may have a higher mortality rate because of risky behaviors in which they engaged in mm. earlier in life. Right? Yeah. Because, why? If you don't drink alcohol at all now, perhaps... You won't drink later. Perhaps you did when you were younger and you created a situation whereby your health problems oh, were, yeah, you know, or um, you did crazy risky shit. Or, you know, you know like um, if your lungs collapsed because of aluminum um, on the foil you're smoking, it wasn't the heroin that gave you a collapsed lung. There you, you go. Know, it was the... I blame an- the foil. Right. It's an ancillary problem. So the study also showed, of course, that people who abstain from alcohol and who have no other risk factors like smoking or poor self-reported health, are not statistically more likely to die at an early age than those with low to moderate alcohol intake. Mm. So this whole idea that moderate alcohol consumption has health benefits like a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. That's what the French say. Yes. They say you have the wine. Yes, but the French have a much higher rate of alcoholism than we do here. Usually. Um, you know, because how do you explain some of those studies, right? I mean... You have uh, 85% of individuals in the United States have reported that they've consumed an alcoholic beverage at one time in their life, 85%. Uh, But, uh, you know, this idea that you can drink a couple glasses of wine and it has uh, protective effects on your health. Antioxidants. Have you all heard this? It has red wine. I drink red wine because it has antioxidants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I drank red wine when I drank it because the alcohol content was really high. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you also have to, you have to, you have to weigh this idea, false idea, I would argue that there is some health benefits from drinking a glass of red wine to, on the flip side, 95,000 people a year die in the United States from alcohol related causes, which makes alcohol the third largest preventable cause of death in the country. Preventable. So. Being the key word. 
you know. Um, the lower, so they finally took a look at why these statistics seem to show that people who don't drink fare worse, um, you know, on, on mortality uh, measures than people that drink a little bit. And, um, you know, and they just, it's due to other higher risk factors. It's not, it has nothing to do with the alcohol itself being protective, which is really the whole issue with these studies that come out based on, you, know, you see it a lot in, in studies of diet, you know, that, you know, um, red meat causes cancer, all this kind of other stuff. It's like, they don't control all the other variables in your, in, in your life. So these, these the studies only show a correlation. They do not co- show a causation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Dr. John of Medical News Today says, it is a problem that medical students and patients are given the advice that it might improve health if they drink low to moderate amounts of alcohol. For many years, epidemiological data... I just wanted to read that word. Yes. For many years, years, epidemiological data seem to reveal that low to moderate alcohol consumers live longer than alcohol abstainers. This was the scientific base for the attitude in medical care that alcohol consumption might support health, in particular cardiovascular health. So, mm. um, yeah, there's a lot of confusion out there. Well, their study found it was one of the very few that asked for details about the former life of the people that didn't drink alcohol in the studies. Details that may be known risk factors for early death. Uh, he said, our study is perhaps the only one so far that includes a standardized diagnosis of former alcohol or drug dependence, i.e. a severe health disorder that may explain short time to death. So none of any, all of the other studies, when they'd ask about people, do you drink or do you not drink? It was a binary answer. You either did or you didn't. And if you didn't, you were assigned to the box of people that didn't drink and nobody looked at why, why you didn't drink. Maybe you didn't drink because you had cancer and you couldn't drink. Maybe, you know, like, (laughs) so it's just, it's ridiculous. So, so, um, the findings support the fact that chronic excessive alcohol use can take a toll on the body. Uh, the good news, of course, is that an individual's health and overall quality of life can be improved greatly with extended abstinence. Mm. Uh, and now they're going to look at doing some additional research that should address the problem that low to moderate alcohol consumption may increase, increase the likelihood of death. Even low amounts of alcohol may add to the likelihood of female breast cancer or hypertension, mm-hmm. both very severe and prevalent health disorders in many general populations. So I would argue... If you're not drinking, there's no reason to start uh, if you think that having a glass of wine will be protective to your yeah. cardiovascular system. Might I suggest going for a walk? Yeah. It probably I mean, is just as protective. It's not making your life more fun or bearable or better. It, it really all comes down to social pressure. The, the further I get into this recovery stuff, the more I'm looking at, and that's a lot of what this naked mind uh, kind of brings to the front of our minds mm. is that a lot of this is social uh, pressure. It's, it's subconscious. It's driven by marketing and culture. And so it, it creates a, a high wall to climb over, let's say. Mm. But once you do, you can see it from the top and you go, what? I don't need this. I don't even want this. Right. And, and that's the epiphany. Um, the spiritual awakening, if you will, is coming to that understanding that not only can I not have this, I don't want it. Right. Right. So it can get you there. Yeah. You got to work on it though. And so don't listen to those studies when they come out because they they tend to get um, the studies that say that alcohol in moderate quantity is good for you are pushed to the head of the headlines and the news because it benefits the alcohol industry for them to be there. And there's a lot. You're being manipulated. Yeah. So, 
Just keep that in mind. Right. That's all I'm saying. And that's recovery in the news. Yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Again. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Now it's time. For the Week in Weird. Week in Weird. Flying humanoid filmed in Scotland. I love the headlines where there's a question mark. Right. Filmed in Scotland? Like, has it been filmed in Scotland or is is it something else? By Tim Banal. A couple in Scotland were left scratching their heads when they spotted a puzzling object floating over their heads when they spotted a uh, in the city what? of Glasgow. <laughs> oh. uh, and some suspect that the oddity could be a flying humanoid. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I suspected. Yeah. Look, a flying I've, humanoid. <laughs> according to a local media report, the strange sighting occurred earlier this week when Lindsay Curie and her boyfriend noticed a peculiar UFO in the sky outside their apartment in the neighborhood of Mary Hill. The witness came up with a clever way of capturing the curious scene on film as they placed a set of binoculars in front of a cell phone, hmm. which managed to provide a fairly close view of the peculiar object in the video, which will be uh, you can find on our show notes with a link. Really? Yes. <laughs> You're gonna make me go find that video. I'll send it to you. It's right. on the. I got it on there. Curie asks her boyfriend what he thinks they are watching, and he wisely muses that it's literally a UFO because it's unidentified. Good mm. point. Later, he theorizes that it might be a weather balloon since, quote, it's too big to be a drone. The thing last week was a weather balloon. Everything's too. a weather balloon, right? I had no idea there was so much weather research going on. Yeah. However, more imaginative viewers have noted that the object appears to sport a head, arms, and legs, which has led to speculation that it could be a flying humanoid. <laughs> <laughs> That said, as we saw this week with the helicopter footage from the LAPD, there's a strong possibility that the UFO could be an errant decorative balloon from Halloween that wound up floating over Glasgow. So you might be wondering what they're talking about right there with the helicopter and all that. Do you remember when people thought there was a jetpack man flying around? Yes. Okay, so that has discovered what what they found, what it really was, was... Uh, an inflatable Jack Skellington from um, Nightmare Before Christmas. No shit. Yeah. Huh. That's why it looked like a... J- I don't know if you if you guys have seen that with your kids or whatever, or by yourself in your house in the at dark. night. <laughs> like, uh, it's, uh, so that's what that was. So that's what they're referring to. Maybe a decorative balloon, not a weather balloon, but I think... And not a flying humanoid. I think it's it's reasonable to speculate that it might be a flying humanoid. <laughs> I suppose. And that was... This Week in Weird. Well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Who, me? You. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks so much for listening. That's a good one. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So, tweet us a twat, you twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review on Apple Podcast app. Join our private Facebook group. Um, it's it's easy to find. We've got a public page and a private page. But um, Just use the search feature. Search it. Middle Ages Recovery. Recovery in the Middle Ages. But what we talk about on that group stays in that group. But when you join up, you can talk to us and talk to the other monksters and get involved in these uh, recovery meetings that we're doing. Um, it's a lot of fun. We love meeting new monksters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. And please buy a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> if you get something out of our little show... Please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good.
Bye. <laughs>